hoping my clap would be so loud that Steven would wake up next to me, but he, he didn't. <laughs> he was laying there like a lump on a log. I think I've been overfeeding him. Oh, you know yeah. what Steven is laying there like? Uh, Steven? What, what's he laying there like? Welcome to AS, but... Oh. No. <laughs> See, now I'm going to have to include all of that audio because Ben made a reference to the previous conversation. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we I are. thought it'd be experimental and fun. Yep. Here we are again. For me. Here we are again. Oh, God. Steven. At the Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Back on our bullshit, I guess. God. Back at it again. I wonder if any of our fans are like, this again? Yeah, this again. This, yes, this, again. <laughs> this every time. So, and we're even talking about something, a subject we've talked about before. I guess this is, <laughs> I guess this is things we can't let go of part 76. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty much. Part, part million, billion, trillion. We only will ever talk about stuff that we like. So. I, I promise That's not to talk about Dark Souls or Rocket League this time. Except for we do this show about Supernatural, which... Do any of us like that? I don't know. I like um, Supernatural. Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, Ari, is Supernatural a good show? And I was like, it's a show that I love, you know? It's a show yeah. that you love. Yeah. Uh, Supernatural the is night. the... <laughs> Sorry. Supernatural is the Nicolas Cage of shows. Travis, <laughs> continue. Some of it's really uh, good. Day... Some of it's really bad. <laughs> the other day, Kat was like... Travis, what's your least favorite thing about Supernatural? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Is and it the podcast? Goes, <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, what's your favorite thing about Supernatural? And I just go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. I can name my favorite thing about Supernatural and my least what's favorite that? thing. What are those things? Okay. My, my favorite thing about Supernatural is I genuinely like the banter and the back and forth between the characters. I think a lot of the dialogue is weird, and I think that's delightful. Like, mm-hmm. it's goofy. Sometimes it goes a little too far. Sometimes it goes into, like, what the... F- no one fucking talks like this. Or yeah. I think that sometimes they explain things too hard. You know what I mean? Or they do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, well, now we're getting into things I don't like. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's fair. My my least favorite thing about Supernatural is that they do things over and over again. Um, No. (laughs) Truthfully, what my least favorite thing is, is that, uh, I mean, it is that, but to explain further, my least favorite thing is, like, there will be, like, a conflict and we'll have resolved it, bunny quotes, Um, but then just that same conflict will come up, but like in a different hat. So I find that to be annoying or like, I think sometimes the show gets a little hypocritical, you know, and doesn't realize its own character's hypocrisy sometimes, which I find Mm. also stressful, but, um, we can get into that. Ben, what's your favorite, least favorite thing about Supernatural? Do you have yeah, to- hang on. Whoa, are we talking about Supernatural on our Supernatural <laughs> podcast? <laughs> have we, we ever done that before? <laughs> I'm, I'm, Jesus this is Christ. the first time for everything. <laughs> Breaking format, you bastards. I know. I don't know. My favorite thing about the show is definitely the dialogue, even if it does suffer from no one talks like that syndrome. Right. Um, also, the just inherent nerdiness of the fucking show yeah that's fair yeah 
even if the characters don't grow a lot like the characters really don't grow until the actors themselves start to age which is very funny to me yeah <laughs> you meant like <laughs> metaphorical growth <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you just meant aging no that's what i mean like the characters really haven't they've grown like a little bit since season one but they keep making the same fucking mistakes which is inherently very human of the characters but sure it can be hard to break out of your yeah i think it's i think it's i think it is fair to say like man i hope you like sam and dean as they are now you know yeah. <laughs> well, I like Supernatural because it's like McDonald's or Burger King. I know what I'm fucking going to get. Yeah. And I will say yeah. another thing I really like about Supernatural is the side characters. Oh, um, yes. Cass, Crowley, Bobby, uh, other side characters that get introduced. Um, Joe, Ellen. I'm trying not like, uh, you know, later we get introduced to like Charlie and Rowena and um, they are all. Not well, not all of them, but a lot of them are really excellent. Garth is great. Like, uh, they just bring so much to the world, and I really, really like them. Mm-hmm. Wish Supernatural would stop killing them off. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like them a lot. Oh my god! So, um, continuing on the Supernatural track, uh, Ben and I introduced a mutual friend of ours to Supernatural. She's she'd never seen it before. And she loves Bobby. And this is less of a spoiler so much as it is an eventual, like, just an eventuality. But, like, like all the characters die, right? Yeah. <laughs> at varying levels of permanence. Yeah. And she saw Bobby die at the end of season five. And she was like, I could barely handle it. I'm glad he came back immediately. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no julie oh no that's my friend's name oh man so yeah she's taking a break from supernatural uh, yeah because i, told I her don't to. blame her. i mean a- admittedly you should take a break from supernatural after season five yeah like you should take a break and then just never go back <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Ari from three years ago. <laughs> Hadn't seen you in a while. <laughs> That's not me anymore. I too find yeah. value in post-season five Supernatural. Yeah, that's why I said Ari from three years ago. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Before I, I am started. Ari from three years ago now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh boy. We'll get to season see season now. Seven. Hopefully it'll become we, Ari see, today. We've we've got character development on this show because now i'm ari ari is ben and ben is god god (laughs) yes my children because ben has the ultimate future vision because he's actually like most up to date with this show i am the only one that has seen literally every episode yeah he has he has um i mean i'm i'm trying to catch up yeah i'm trying to catch up (laughs) I took a detour through Hannibal Land, and yeah. now I'm just rewatching Hannibal, which complicated. <laughs> By the way, if you're a Supernatural fan or a fan of the podcast, and you started watching Hannibal on my suggestion, thank you so much. Let's get season four. Whoop whoop! It's not gonna happen. Yeah. It's yeah. not gonna happen. But you know, a girl can dream. Um. Uh. 
uh, did you see that season 15, or the first, I guess, first half of season 15 is on Netflix now? It's kind of the first half. Yeah. Oh. I guess the first, like, two-thirds. No, it's not even, it's not two-thirds. When I say half, I mean it feels like less than half. The first quarter. I think it's through, yeah. It's first through, third. like, the mid, it's through the mid-season finale, because I think the pool hall episode was the mid-season finale. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty excited about getting there. I'm pretty excited about watching it. I've heard good things. Hmm. So. I can't wait to get there in another six years. Hmm. <laughs> we've, we've made progress. <laughs> I mean, we've been doing this show for what? Almost four uh, years now and we're already at season six. That ain't bad. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, God. It's because we don't get, it's because we don't get, I mean, we're almost at season seven. It's because we don't get bogged down by like season breaks. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like, we don't have to stop the train. Yeah. Guys, we only stop at our own stations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is from an hour ago from Screen Rant. Supernatural Uh-oh. Season 15 can resume filming now. <gasps> well, here's hoping everyone stays totally safe. Yeah. Hopefully, everyone will. Hopefully. Because they're talking about just waiting to release the other episodes, like in the fall. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be like a little fifteen season fifteen point five. Yep. Yep. A little a little season only... sixteen even. Yep. So. Well, they only got through eleven episodes in the like the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. I think they finished the other two, like episodes twelve and thirteen. Mm-hmm. So they still have like what roughly like nine episodes to go. Episodes twelve and thirteen are on Netflix. I just I just checked. Oh, are they? Yeah, it's a Galaxy Brain and Destiny's Child are the names. Oh, Galaxy going off what Brain. Scott told me. Christ. So, all right, I haven't seen every episode. I'm no longer God. I know what I'm doing after we finish today. <laughs> right. Um. Oh shit! What was I gonna say? See, Supernatural is only gonna have fifteen episodes. But what they didn't tell us is that season fifth or fifteen seasons. Uh, what they didn't tell us is that fif- season 15 is actually going to be 400 episodes long. Is that just like the real world? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still stand by like 2020 is only happening the way it is because God didn't want Supernatural to end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a petty, cruel, capricious God. Oh my goodness. Are you telling me my favorite television show has been canceled? Mer. You son of the bitches. <laughs> is God a Destiel fan? If there probably. is a God, he's probably <laughs> God. I hope not. <laughs> oh boy. It's alright. It's alright. Alright. Well, we decided before we recorded that we were going to talk about things we can't let go of. Which apparently is supernatural this week. Yeah. That is. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, so, Ben and Travis, what are things that you can't let go of? Uh, who wants to go first? Oh, that y- y'all. You, you can go, Travis. I mean, this okay. really isn't. This really isn't a things we can't let go of. This is just shit we've been watching recently. Okay, yeah, you're right. My bad. Shit we've been watching recently. Yeah. Part I... part thirty three thousand. Yep. 
I watched Rocket Man and it's so good. Rocket Man. It is such a good movie. I I want to watch it. Is it on you? Something? It's it's on Hulu. Hell yeah. It is on Hulu. It is so good. It is amazing. Uh, Taron Egerton from Kingsman plays Elton John. Hell yeah. And he does a really good job of it. It's the same director that made Bohemian Rhapsody. Except this time, he did a good job. Good for him. Um, <laughs> Once I get done watching like, Hannibal Part 2, I mean, um, Prodigal Son, I will absolutely <laughs> give this a look. Um, it is, so it was directed by the same guy who did Bohemian Rhapsody. And Bohemian Rhapsody came under some criticism for being too sterile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not good enough. painted a very, like very broad strokes of Freddie Mercury's life as a biopic. And it's kind of like I've watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody too. And it is a little like fan servicey a little bit. It's just like, it's here for the queen fans, you know? Yeah. And rocket man really gets into the nitty gritty. I think that also helps because Elton John is still alive. Right. And he also wrote a book. Yeah, uh, he wrote an autobiography, so I think that is something that helps a lot. But also something that is really dissonant in Bohemian Rhapsody is that Rami Malek, like whenever they do a musical scene or like a scene where Queen is performing, mm-hmm. they take like clips of Queen playing like they isolate Freddie Mercury's voice to like have Rami Malek sing and just ADR real Freddie Mercury's voice in there. So there's a bit of a weird tonal dissonance in that in rocket man, Taron Egerton did all of his own performing. Wow. Yeah. He is so good. I did not realize that Rami Malek did not do all of the, all of the singing. All of the singing. I didn't realize they isolated Freddie Mercury's voice. I have not watched uh, Bohemian Rhapsody because I heard well, it was like, meh, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is Freddie Mercury's voice is so iconic. Yeah. True. And like in a way, Elton John is too. But I feel like in a way that's easier to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the the thing that really like put this the the thing that put rocket man up to like 10 out of 10 for me is that it was not just a biopic about elton john Mm -hmm. it is also a musical yeah it is a straight up musical and i did not realize that going in Mm -hmm. and as soon as i did realize that i was like a hundred percent on board hell yeah dude Yes. Okay. First of all, I feel like all biopics about singers should be musicals, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. That would make sense. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm excited. I want to watch it really bad. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. It's Pride Month, so I feel like we should be watching queer media. You know. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. Sorry, I was I was fact checking myself here. Apparently, in Bohemian Rhapsody, Remy Malik does do a little bit of the singing, mm-hmm. but he they like help him out a lot. Mm. That there is a lot of mission and mashing and 
layering and all kinds of stuff in there. But yeah. with Rocket Man, it was like all Taron Egerton. I um, wonder. I mean, I wonder what. I mean, I, I guess the answer is just because Freddie Mercury is has just such an iconic voice, you know? Yeah, that that's that's what my answer to it is. That's definitely the way it seems. Yeah. Well. Um. Awesome. But yeah, it it really like to me. Good biopics are done by actors who don't try to do a pure impression. Mm-hmm. And like this is something that I, I saw in a little IMDB trivia thing. This is also something that Elton John and Taron Egerton talked about, where it's like, don't uh, Elton John was like, don't try to be me, like find your own voice while pretending to be me. Right. And I I also saw that I, I saw a similar thing that was said about um, the guy who played Martin Luther King Jr. in in the movie Selma. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it's not about being an exact copy of that person it's just about like capturing their energy you know right yeah yeah <clears throat> so it's like maybe you don't have the voice perfect or maybe you're, you don't look exactly the same way but you know it's it, it's all about how it it does and but so rocket man 10 out of 10 uh absolutely wonderful i learned a lot of things about elton john that i did not know i also realized that i know a lot more elton john songs than i thought <laughs> Elton, I mean, Elton John's, he kind of, like, transcends genre for me. I mean, I guess... He does. You would classify Elton John as, like, adult contemporary? Yeah. Is that correct? I don't know. I would, Probably. I, I would say so, especially in his later career. Yeah. I would definitely say adult contemporary. I mean, I wouldn't really consider him to be, like, rock. I... It depends on what album you're listening to. I think his That's first true. album was very rockin'. He also... So, like, one of the things I learned about him is before he, like, started being a solo musician, is, like, in Britain, he played a, in a, like, a backing band for a touring soul act that was, like, touring England from America. Hmm. And so he was playing keyboard for that. So I feel like he draws a lot of inspiration from that experience. Right. Too. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say by him when he like transcends genre is just like he just he just is he just is like I could listen to his stuff all the time yeah. and even if it's not something that I'm like crazy into, um, I just really I I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I like his good. stuff, you know. Yeah, I also like The Lion King, so... Yeah, I mean, The Lion King is great. <laughs> the Lion King is awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you mean old or new? Old. I mean, like, okay. Elton John did the music for Lion King. Oh, yeah. okay. All yeah. right, all right. I'm picking up what you put down now. He did, in fact, do that music, so... <laughs> then, That's cool. Benjamin, what, what can you not let go of? This week, or are watching. Uh, oh, I finished all of Atlanta yesterday. Uh, I had watched the first episode when it first came out. I was Hell like, yeah. ah, this is fine. And then I was like, ah, fuck it, let's give it a go. There's no better time than now to watch this. Uh, the first season is very 
exactly what you think it is. It's Donald Glove's character, Ern, trying to be his cousin, Alfred, slash Paperboy's manager. Mm-hmm. And it's just about all of these different characters, like, living their lives in Atlanta and dealing with shit. Yeah. Um, there's, like, some wackadoo shit that happens every now and again that feels kind of over the top. Mm-hmm. But you could also see it making sense in the world that they have created. And then season two happens. The first episode of season two, I believe, is called Alligator Man. And okay. it's about... <laughs> And Cat Williams plays uh, Alfred and Ern's uncle. And he has an alligator that he uses to scare off the police while he runs away. Because he has pseudo-kidnapped this lady into his own house. Oh, no. Yeah. And the episode caps off... Or in the middle of the episode, he gives Ern a golden pistol. And it's just a real wackadoo thing. And that really just sets the fucking tone for the rest of the season. Because every episode is like a mini horror movie. Like, Ern's ex-girlfriend slash ex-wife has a crazy weird experience at Drake's New New Year's Eve party. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then the character Paperboy slash Alfred, he has like four episodes in a row that just kind of just shit on his fucking head. Damn. Yeah. But it's kind of just about them being able to overcome crazy ass obstacles to chase this dream that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's I highly advise it all or both seasons are on Netflix or not Netflix, Hulu. Uh, they're about 20 minutes, so it's, like, really easy just to fucking plow through in, like, nice. a day. Um, but it's really fucking good. The music's good. Uh, it gets really real every now and again. But it kind of, like, offsets that with just, like, this... Just the overtopness that I've, like, mentioned already. It's It's definitely worth watching i think it's loosely based on donald glover coming up as a musician nice like like a few things in the beginning obviously not the alligator part but (laughs) there's an episode where donald glover plays this eccentric musician from like from like a i think like jazz i believe Mm mm-hmm and the character Darius is going to get a piano from him. And it's very, it's kind of like Hush or like another Jordan Peele movie. He, he didn't make Hush, but just like this eerie creepiness throughout the whole fucking episode. <laughs> it's, I highly suggest watching the whole fucking thing. It's really good. Uh, that's, oh, sorry, go on. But that's mainly the that's like the one thing I did finish you Haka show again, but I wasn't going to talk about that. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> um, isn't uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Atlanta? He plays Maybe. one of the lead I'm... characters. Let's see. He stars in one of my most, like, one of my favorite movies that came out a couple of years back. 
called um, Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is... He's great. He, that is a great movie, if you haven't seen it. It's about a mm. black, like, um, telemarketer who adopts a white voice to... Oh, is that... Uh, talk on the phone? Uh, uh, Sorry to Bother You? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's exactly what it is. It it is an absolutely insane movie, but it's really good and really funny, and also you know heartbreaking because yeah, um, isn't it like America's a dumpster? Don't mm. they the the white voices they use are other like white actors like in Patton Oswald one of the white voices? Yeah, David Cross yeah. is um, so Lakeith Stanfield's character is named uh, Cash. Cash's white voice is David Cross. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good. And um, it's got Tessa Thompson in it. And she's, you know, awesome in that movie. And the themes are really relevant. And yeah, just um, 10 plus plus would recommend. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, Danny Glover's say, in it. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield lives in California, not Atlanta. Ah uh, ha ha. <laughs> That son of a bitch. <laughs> that, what's the opposite of that a carpetbagger? <laughs> oh, boy. That was a joke that took too long for me to tell. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you got it out. You got it out. Yep. All right. Is it my turn to talk about what I've been watching? Yes. I believe it is. Okay. I've been watching two things. One of which is an anime. Shock. I know, right? <laughs> what? Moi? No. Okay. So um, if you haven't seen it, uh, My Next Life is a Villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom is the anime I've been watching. It is an isekai anime, uh. which I'm not normally a fan of. Like the last isekai anime I saw that I really enjoyed was Log Horizon. So, for the uninitiated, Isekai is, and you've probably seen jokes, is when a character from our world, and by our world I mean exclusively Japan, uh, gets hit by usually a truck, but they die an untimely death, and then they wake up in a fantasy world. And this fantasy world can be a video game world that has come to life, or just a completely different universe. Um, They're usually, like... like power fantasies right so usually the character will be super op in some way um like for example a classic example of this genre is uh god i can't remember the official name but it's like i have a smartphone (laughs) and i'm the only person (laughs) in this world who has a fucking smartphone hold on i'm gonna look it up i'm just gonna look up smartphone isekai I mean, I know you're pulling it out of your ass, but that actually sounds like the name of an anime. In another world with my smartphone. That's what it's called. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't that far off. Um, in another world with my smartphone is uh, after a freak accident involving some lightning, the um, winds up zapping him dead. 15-year-old Toya wakes up to find himself face-to-face with God. A god is basically like, hey, do you want to be super OP in a fantasy world? And Toya's like, hell yeah! And uh, <laughs> that's that's what happens. Oh god, it got so much, it got so loud. Oh god. Whoops. Okay. Sorry. I'm trying out a different mic today, so there's, you know. 
Mike shenanigans. There's Mike shenanigans. Okay, so um, so I'm not a huge fan, although I do want to watch another isekai called Ascendix of a Bookworm, which is about a bookworm who dies and ends up in a fantasy world where books are extremely rare and only reserved for like the richest of the rich so she sets out to create books for poor people um but this one i'm watching it's super cute it's called my next life as a villainous all routes lead to doom and it's about this young japanese girl who dies an untimely death and then ends up in her favorite um otome game which is like Uh... a like a reverse harem game for Mm -hmm. women uh, visual novels, that sort of thing, and she is the villain in this Otome game. Um, her name is Katarina, and in all of the good routes, Katarina either ends up dead or exiled because she's such oh. a bitch. So she, um, basically to change her fate, is just nice to people, and. So the game, the plot of the game centers around, like, this magic school um, involving this, like, peasant girl named Maria. And it's very rare for magic to show up in, like, not nobility. Um, Katarina even has magic. It's called Earth Magic. And in the plot of the game, Maria, there's several different, like, male characters. And you have different romance options with them. And Katarina, for some of the male characters, is the rival, right? And she bullies Maria and is just such a bitch that at the end, even like in the good ending for one of the male characters that uh, Maria can romance or that you, the character, you know, you, the player can romance, like Katarina dies. Right. She's killed by the male character who you romance. Um, So Katarina, it's she like gains her consciousness and realizes like what's going to happen when she's a child and just completely has a 180 in personality and and regains the personality you know she had when she was alive and sets about to change her fate and in doing so every character male and female falls in love with her (laughs) and so it turns into this huge harem anime where Everyone oh, is in love and vying for the attention of Katarina, including the main character of the game, Maria. <laughs> it is seriously adorable. It's just super fluffy and girly. Um, the fantasy world that they're set in is some sort of like mashup of Victorian stuff. So it there's dresses and it's just super cute. Um, yeah. 10 plus plus would definitely recommend and it's it's the one reverse hair anime or hair anime i've seen with something for everyone right straight gay whatever everyone's in love with katarina so hmm. um it's really cute and 10 plus plus and then the other thing i've seen is i rewatched last night i rewatched but i'm a cheerleader nice um oh, yeah that movie is awesome it's the where is that on anywhere it's on amazon prime Oh, okay. My life as a villainess is on Crunchyroll, but also just the internet. <laughs> um, you know, if you don't want to pay for a Crunchyroll account. Um, so, but I'm a cheerleader. Is it was the first like queer movie I saw? Hell yeah! When I was like in high school, um, and it's very campy. It, it does not at all reflect reflect real life. Other than like being like, hey, gay people exist. Um, <laughs> but it's about this. 
a cheerleader named Megan who whose parents and friends are like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you're a lesbian and we're going to send you to um, conversion therapy. And she's like, can't be a lesbian. I go to school. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader, for God's sake. You know, there's no way I can be gay. And, um, of course, she is, secretly. And (laughs) while she's there, she meets this other lesbian named Graham. And they have a romance. And uh, the voice of Zuko is in it. And RuPaul's in it out of drag. Yeah. So, um... Did RuPaul not RuPaul's out of drag playing a straight man, right? Or like, well, he's playing somebody a, who an ex gay, an ex gay. Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> um, that's very silly to me. Yeah, and of course, in real life, like conversion therapy is horrifying, and there are a lot of people who have been through it who are like, yeah, I was legitimately abused by these counselors who were supposed to be quote unquote helping me. Um, yeah. There's a really terrifying web comic. I have to see if I can find about it's about somebody going through conversion therapy. Yeah. Um, it is heartbreaking. There's um, a movie that just came out. I want to say like last year or two years ago called Boy Erased. And mm. it is a very serious look at conversion therapy. And it is um, about like uh uh, based off of a, the true accounts of of this young man who was sent to conversion therapy by his parents. Um, mm. And it's got some very like triggering aspects to it, but it's a good movie if you want like a more realistic portrayal about what conversion therapy can be. Uh, but I'm a cheerleader is not that. It is a feel-good rom-com with super campy elements. The conversion therapy like camp they go to is called True Directions and it's run by um Catherine Moriarty mm. uh who was in the 1990s live action Gas Casper she was like the mm. villain uh-huh. in that ah yes yeah. yeah and she um she's really great in this but it's very it's very campy and it's very silly and not at all an actual reflection of like what conversion therapy is but if you want something lighthearted to watch for pride month um where everyone lives and it's awesome like i would definitely uh, check check out but I'm a cheerleader if you haven't seen it already um, it was released by Lionsgate and I'm kind of shocked that such a large studio released it yeah. in like the 90s well when did it come out I'm gonna look up. I'm not sure but I'm a cheerleader mm-hmm. yeah 1999 and Lionsgate Dang. released it yep wild those uh Directed by Jamie Babbitt, who's directed um, a bunch of stuff, including Russian Doll, Itty Bitty Titty mm. Committee, which is another big lesbian movie. Um, she's directed uh, episodes of Gilmore Girls, Malcolm in the Middle, The Marvelous oh. Miss Maisel, Silicon Valley, The L Word, Natch. Tight. Uh, those are a lot of the things on that list are things that I enjoy. Yep. Yeah. Quiet, which is another lesbian thing, I think. Wait, no. Maybe it's not. I don't remember. I don't think I've seen it. Um, yeah, but uh, definitely, definitely check out But I'm a Cheerleader if you want some fun. Hell yeah. Some enjoyable times to be had by all. Hell yeah. Um, 
And then check out Boy Erased if you want to cry. I don't know. <laughs> it's very sad. Yeah. Very no judgment sad. here. You can cry if you want to. Yeah. You can cry it's if your you party. want to. You can leave your friends behind. <laughs> so, oh man, oh if you want a really interesting history of um, conversion therapy in America, at least, check out uh, um, Radio Lab. Radio Lab did a series about conversion mm. therapy, and it was super fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and kind of and heartbreaking, of course, and um, you know. Uh, but but very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting to see how it's changed in a lot of ways. Yeah. So definitely, definitely something to check out. Um, I also want to take some time because it's going to be relevant later. No, I'll just talk about it later. All right. Um, are we ready to start the second half to, to get into the nitty gritty of Supernatural? Yeah, I think so. All right. Travis, uh-huh. this episode is called The Man Who Would Be King. What the is it man about? Who would be king? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam and Dean and Cass are <gasps> in Castiel. Yeah, so Castiel has brought them back to uh, France. But let's say Francaise. Let Let's say they're in France around like. 1790 something you know mm-hmm. and they uh, they're like alright Cass what are we doing here and Cass is like we gotta save that guy and then uh, turns out they failed and his head gets caught off with a guillotine because he was gonna be the next king but this is the French Revolution and all the kings are dead alright I was a thinker <laughs> but not the way you think (laughs) well fair enough Travis fair enough Mm -hmm. I guess I guess uh, let's find out all right Yeah, and we're back. we're back. We have watched an excellent episode of Supernatural. We really have. You, like, okay, the last... Basically, since we've started doing the the show remotely, I have, like, sat down to watch the episode, pen and paper in hand, taking notes the whole time. This episode, I didn't take any notes because I was so like caught up in it. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't break myself away to write anything down because it was just too good to look at. This episode is what this whole season should have been. Absolutely. I have some minor complaints. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not really so the the complaints i have are again not issues with this episode in particular just issues with the the directionlessness of the season as a whole um yeah but they're really like this episode is excellent i talked about before how 
the man who would be king is um, one of my favorite Supernatural episodes. Is it perfect? No. No. Um, It is still... So basically, just what this episode is, um, which you already know, dear listener, but here's a recap anyways. This is an episode from Cass's point of view, and it is a catch-up of what Cass has been doing since um, Lucifer and Michael were locked in the cage. It explains how we got to where we are now with the Civil War, what Raphael has been doing, um, and then uh, how how uh, Sam and Dean and Bobby are dealing with the fact that they have realized that, yes, Cass has betrayed them. He has been working with Crowley this entire time. It's to reach purgatory, and uh, and he is gearing up to be the big bad for season six. Um, Misha Collins does an excellent job with this episode. Mm. I loved the beginning um, the cold open where he talks about seeing the fish that will become humanity leave the ocean. Yeah. The primordial ooze. Um, I like the fact that he says, you know, he's looking at this fish and one of his brothers says, uh, don't step on that fish. Big plants for that fish. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really neat. I think everyone was just on point. Uh, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles did a really good job. We haven't talked much about the actor who plays Raphael, um, but hello, Tobias Budge from Hannibal. I just watched the episode you were in in Hannibal. Um, <laughs> his name is, hold please, his first name's Demore, but I can't remember what his second, his last name is. Holding, hold, hold the line. Okay, so... This is Raphael, by the way. Raphael won um, the the male Raphael. Mm-hmm. I guess Raphael in the body of a man. Demore Barnes. Nice. He's hmm. he's he's got a good presence. He's threatening and creepy, and um, he's chill. I like him as an actor. Oh yeah. He's good in Hannibal too. If you want to see that. Oh yeah. Canada man, they just turn out good actors. Yeah. Yeah. That and the British. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean in almost all ways this episode is a ten out of ten. And then in some ways it's like an eight out of ten. So ultimately a <laughs> nine out of ten. <laughs> yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um specific things that come to mind uh with this episode that y'all liked or, or disliked. I really liked just the whole episode being at Cass's point of view. Yes. Um, I thought it was a very cool, it had a very noir style to it. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked that. I love adaptations of noir styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Especially in the scenes where it's like, Cass was there, but we didn't know he was there. Or nobody knew he was there. Oh, yeah, that was so And creepy. he was watching anyway, like... I really loved those scenes. Hmm. I don't think we've talked enough about how, and Misha Collins really does a, a good job with this, but how um, threatening Cass can be. Yeah. Cass is a lot of the time just like be destroyer of worlds, like that trope, where mm-hmm. he gets depowered a lot due to, you know, 
budgetary reasons, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and story and reasons. And story reasons. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have Cash just come in and kick everyone's ass, ass because what would our main characters do? Um, <laughs> they have to have some role in the story as well. Okay, my cat's trying to eat a Q-tip, so hold on. <laughs> I want you to listen. Pro tip, Steven. don't let your cat eat your Q-tip. <laughs> Well, yeah, even in this episode, there was a little bit of cast empowerment when they trap him in the ring of holy fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so because, you know, they know how to depower cast. Well, uh, or to like contain him. Rather. It's less it's yeah. less it's a little less egregious than last episode where he just got, you know, somebody flicked the grace switch. Um, yeah, the mother did <laughs> somebody. Cass just has a big switch on his back <laughs> and bad guys can just come up and flip it on and off however they want. Yep. When when the story <laughs> needs it. Uh yeah, but he is genuinely and I know his um this episode is like the road the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh because he even says the words, This is the long road of good intentions. Yeah, the yeah, thus begins the long road of good intentions. Um This is the first time in the while that we can actually say that you know what? Man actually isn't the, tr- the real the monster. True monster. <laughs> um Yeah, I uh, so a lot of the time Cass is like, here's my side of things. Here's why I did the things that I do that I'm, you know, here's why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And it's to protect my friends and it's to mm-hmm. get heaven on the right track and, 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 and truly release my, you know, angel brethren from their, you know, like give them free will. Like I have received free will and those are all very Mm -hmm. good things, right? Stop the apocalypse from happening. Um, but at the same time, Cass is listening in on conversations between Sam, Demon, and Bobby, and he's not letting them know that he's there or he's like covering up demon activity, you know? Mm. And it's, and it's, uh, it's genuinely threatening. It's creepy. It's a side of Cass we haven't seen as this sort of like outsider looking in, um, so it's it's pit, it's pitiable, but it's also like, ugh, you know. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of that. I get the feeling that Cass is a character when he's listening in on Sam Dean and Bobby, like, feels like an outsider to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah. God, Misha Collins does such a good job. Okay, mm. sorry. Good, good job, Misha yeah, Collins. Yeah, this this whole episode, this, oh, this episode made me wish that the whole season had been what's Cass up to? Why is Cass look so suspicious? I feel like Cass is lying to us. Yeah, culminating to this. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I um, agree. Where it's like maybe not in the way that we found out last episode, but we do find out that like. Uh, uh, what, uh, god damn it. Um, demon, king, demon, Crowley. man, <laughs> Crowley, god damn. Yeah. I had, I just had a major, uh, brain fart, brain fart just then. We, like, last episode, we do find out that Crowley's alive in some way, and then it culminates to Sam and Dean finding out that Cass is working for Crowley. I think it would have been a much more interesting season, yeah, in general. Um, cause it could have really just been like, uh, 
go back to season two, have a bunch of Freak of the Week episodes, have at the end tie in, oh, why didn't Cass come help us? Or, you know, where is Cass right now? Yeah. Uh, Cass, why did you only answer when Sam called for you, you know? Like, yeah. where have you been? What have you been doing? And Cass is like, I don't fucking know, man. I'm busy. Um. Yeah, I wish I wish Cass had said those exact words. <laughs> when we remake the show in ten to fifteen years, he yeah. will. Yeah. I um really like Cass and Crowley's dynamic. Mm, uh, yeah. Mark Shepard and Misha Collins. Um, Crowley was excellent this episode. Hey, you remember in the first half of the season when I was like, I don't understand why Sam and Dean go, don't get the respect they deserve. Thank you, Crowley, yeah, for giving. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the first, oh, not the first scene, but um, when in, in Mark Shepard and Misha Collins' first scene together, um, Crowley is like, we need to kill the Winchesters. Uh, yeah. We They are... They are, you know, too too powerful. too powerful, and yeah, we need to take them out. And Cass is like, "No, they're my friends. I don't want to. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about them. They can't threaten this operation." And Crowley's like, "Oh, you mean like Lucifer didn't worry about them, or Michael, <laughs> or Azazel, or Lilith? You mean how they didn't worry about them, and now they're all dead or yeah. otherwise indisposed? You mean like that? <laughs> that is that what we're?" Is that what we're not worrying about? These two knuckleheads? I think he calls them nightmares and um, plaid and denim. Yes. Which was excellent. Denim, denim clad nightmares yeah, or something denim like clad that. Denim clad nightmares, uh, which is was... a great line. It's yeah. a great band name is what that is. Yeah. Um, and M- Mark Shepard, he can play smug asshole. He can play like just over the top like are you insane you know that kind of character i feel like we really got to see crowley be the chess master slash magnificent bastard that he he so is you know yeah oh definitely manipulating things to his to his to his advantage he played cast like a goddamn fiddle if if i may definitely did yeah like like a goddamn fiddle um we get to see hell uh, this episode, what's hell like now that Crowley is the devil? <laughs> hell is my favorite version of hell, <laughs> which is people just standing yeah. in line. They have to take a number, and then when they get to the en- to the front of the line, they have to go all the way to the back of the line. Yep, I think you I had called this that depiction of hell. Like oh wait, uh, several episodes ago. Like, you had said something along the lines, and I tried very hard to be like, oh, well, uh, uh, just wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because I also, there is a depiction of that in Adventure Time in the Nidosphere. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And it is just so good. (laughs) I love it so much. Um. I really like, I like both the depictions of heaven and hell in this uh, episode. And mm. um, yeah, because so the reason why everyone's waiting in line is Cass is like, what happened to the whole, you know, fire and brimstone torture thing? And Crowley's like, well, it turns out everyone down here is pretty much a masochist anyway. So they're just like, please, <laughs> sir, may I have another? But nobody likes mm. waiting in line. Um, and then in, what we see of heaven today is we see two heavens, two personal heavens. Um, one of whom belongs to Ken Lay, 
which yeah, is that was a reference. That was such a good reference. I had to look up who Ken Lay was because it's been so long since the Enron scandal that I barely remember it. Um, <laughs> the world has been. Hey, remember when the Enron scandal was like the worst thing <laughs> in politics? Oh, Do you remember that? Oh, barely um, the world has been re-more- remade in so many versions of fire and ice that I just I it's blah. but yeah uh, for our younger listeners who may not remember um, Ken Lay was the founder of Enron back in the 2000s Enron was involved in a huge scandal I mean uh, oh, huge scandal. I barely remember what it was about, but it was, it started uh, like... Was, it was about money. Yeah. And uh, apparently it was one of the biggest uh, bankrupts, bankruptcies in ever. Yeah. Of all time. Um, it was just huge when it happened it yeah it involved a lot of people losing a lot of money and ken lay was um found guilty of 10 counts of security frauds so and then he died Damn. in 2006 of a major heart attack and he is in heaven and in in supernatural <laughs> and cass and ken lay's heaven is like an ode to bush too Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. if this episode had come out in now, in this year, it probably would have been an ode to Trump. Um, you know, that's sort of like slimy, pretty, like pro-businessman politician. Um, even though I know that Bush too has sort of been redeemed in the public eye. Yeah. I guess you could say. You could say that. Yeah. But at the time, listeners, younger listeners, you may not remember at the time, George W. Bush was, like, the worst president. He, everyone who was, like, a progressive hated him. Republicans didn't like him. Like, we, everybody was just, like, Bush, like, spit on his name. He's awful. So, again, um, and I'm not saying he wasn't because a bunch of fucked up shit happened in his, in his, in his presidency, uh, but now the public view has kind of like changed on him a little bit, which is yeah interesting. Um, but I like the fact that Cass is like not really sure why Ken Lay's up here, <laughs> and Raphael's <laughs> like, Meh. our rules are arbitrary and mysterious. <laughs> it's more about who's a devout or what or whatever. Right? Yeah, which is not true in most cases. Because well, like I think in supernatural land. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even in supernatural, because our lads make it up to heaven and, and Dean's a straight up, you know, atheist. A flat yeah. earth atheist. Yeah. Um I, th- I guess it was supposed to be a joke on like, yeah, he did some bad shit, but I guess he was he believed in Jesus just just enough. Well, it shows how I guess corrupt <laughs> heaven is or was in two thousand six when he died. Because the archangels were like, yeah, you don't have to be a good person. Just be obedient. Believe in in what we say to believe and do what we say to do. Um, So people make it to heaven based off arbitrary reasons and not like the quality of their character. Um, Or I guess not make it to heaven, but don't go to hell. 
if that is more accurate to say. But then I also really like the other heaven we see, which is just the permanently pleasant Tuesday afternoon of an autistic man who died in the 50s. And it seems like a very peaceful place that Cass just likes to go and think. Yeah. So, and I, I like it. I like it's it's um it's pleasant. It is pleasant. And there's flowers, and Cass gets the shit kicked out of him, and then he bleeds from his mouth a little bit, which I don't find hot at all. Um, so you know, good. You don't, you say? I I don't. I don't believe you. I, From what I've heard what? and listened and seen, are you searching my character? I don't. I don't, I don't believe are you. Saying? I just logged into your Ao3 account. No. And I know that's a damn lie. How did you know? <laughs> I thought it was a secret. Your Tumblr history is fucked up. Oh no! Come on, just a little, just a little bit in like the corner of a mouth. I'll send you guys an unrelated picture. <laughs> don't worry, it's just Mads Michelson. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, uh, okay, so I saw Raphael, and I was like, oh my god, Steven, I'll kill you. <laughs> Sorry, he just walked across <laughs> my keyboard. Well, hope that didn't fuck anything up. Okay. Um, so I just um, saw, uh, when I saw that Raphael was Damore Barnes, um, the same guy who played Tobias Budge in an episode of Hannibal, um, in that episode, he he plays a character that's like also a serial killer, and he tries to like make friends with Hannibal and Hannibal's like no I don't really want to be your bud because you're like risking my exposure as the Chesapeake Ripper and so Tobias is like well I guess now I have to kill you and Hannibal's like man same um (laughs) so they have a fight and uh I was just like this is the second time in a tv show that I like where this actor bloodies up a character i don't know what to tell you and um yeah anyways so uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's fine don't worry about it it's fine okay let's let's uh talk about other things now ben you you bring up something now you bring up something you're inappropriately attracted to i'm just gonna be quiet for a minute damn it oh i know i know uh something i really liked the demon version of bobby singer oh yeah yeah that was great (laughs) that was that was really fantastic he didn't do a southern accent though which i thought was yeah but i mean mean, it's kind of hickish yeah yeah if if this if if it was supposed to be like the antithesis of what bobby is Mm -hmm. then i think they kind of got it yeah um, Ben, riddle me this. Bobby lives in South Dakota, but he's from the South, right? Jim Beaver? No, I mean Bobby the character. Bobby the character. Oh. I don't know where Jim Beaver's I from. I don't know where Bobby is originally from. I think he's from, like, where he lives. I think he grew up in that house because we. But his accent is so strong. Yeah, you don't have to be, like, from the South to have a redneck accent. There's rednecks in every single state. But... There's hicks in every fucking state. Well, that I... It's not a, it's not a purely Southern thing. That I know, but surely to have that strong of a Southern accent, you're from... You have to throw around someone from the South. Again. Yeah. 
you don't have to be from the South to have a quote-unquote Southern accent. Uh, all right. Well, I've learned something new today. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that was fact, out of order. <laughs> Jim Beaver... <laughs> Jim Beaver was born in Wyoming. Shit. I don't think I've Boom. ever seen Jim Beaver talk outside of Supernatural with the exception of the X-Files episode. To be fair, he is in, he is from southern Wyoming. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. That explains it. <laughs> Everywhere's got a south, I guess. <laughs> that is true. Technically. All right, well... I feel a fool. There was East and West Germany, and there's a North and South of every state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Ben, I feel a fool. So <laughs> thank you for correcting me on my preconceived notions about what people from South Dakota sound like. <laughs> I mean, that whole pocket of those, like Montana, the Dakotas, mm-hmm. Colorado to, uh... to an extent. Both of his parents were from Texas. Aha! So uh-huh. uh, the mystery thickens. It does thicken. Yeah. But Good. something with cornstarch in it. But yeah, Ben is right. There's there's hicks all over. Yeah. Good for them. Which I got that from Jeff Foxworthy, so yeah. yeah that's true. Well, yeah, I I would never not be like there's not hicks everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. But do they all sound like that do they sound like deliverance extras that's what i'm curious about and i feel like no well, that's the thing you know the phrase like there's no one more like faithful than a zealot mm-hmm. like what state does the film um 10 things i hate about you take place that's like in california the, yeah there's rednecks in that movie that sound like they're trying to sound like they're from like Tennessee or like Virginia, you know, like straight up hillbillies and they live in fucking California. Yeah. Hmm. And they have kind of thick accents. If I remember right, it may be another teenage rom-com from the noddies that I'm getting crossed, but yeah, I honestly don't remember 10 things I hit about you, you don't very have to well. Be Southern. Like I think, I remember seeing a video or an article that the Southern accent is really easy for some uh, British people to pull off. Mm-hmm. Just because of how like the Southern drawl is just a continuation on Cockney yeah. to an extent. I don't... So people who naturally speak in a, Coxie, in a Cockney uh, tone it is really easy for them to speak like a redneck. I just cause it's like a hop, skip and a jump away. Yeah. I feel like that is possibly true for, or maybe they're the right way around. I don't fucking remember. It's been a while since I've seen this fucking video. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that I have a strong opinion about accents. No, you're fine. <laughs> well, you have a strong accent, so I, don't I know. feel like, like that might be why but... you have a strong opinion. I mean, Travis and I have strong uh, The only too. other thing I've seen Jim Beaver in is fucking, is either bad, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. And he's pretty much just fucking Bobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense for the time period and the location. We all still connected? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It did like the disconnect connect sound for me. Mm. It did for me too. I don't know yeah, why. Sorry, you dropped off for a second. Oh, okay. Fixed. Mm. Fixed it. Yeah. But yeah, in Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul, he's dressed like Bobby, mm-hmm. sounds like Bobby, and he's just got a shitload of guns. I wonder what he's like in Deadwood. Oh no. I guess we'll find uh, out eventually. We will find out eventually. Yeah, for LSA. Hmm. I remember sort of his character from Justified, and I think it was also very Bobby esque. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's Which I do th- who he is in Psych, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. Like, he actually fell off from doing movies and television because he was very tired of being Bobby. And so he started doing more stage work. You know what we should see? We should see if he plays that character in Crimson Peak. Because Crimson Pink is Peak is not set in the United States. It's set in ah. the, the British place. Yeah. Um, so is he like playing an American or is he playing a British person? I guess we'll find out when we eventually watch Crimson Peak for LSA. One day. One day. Um, yeah. One day. But, uh, all right, well, it was a fun detour, guys. Um, it was a fun detour. <laughs> um, oh, I, I wanted to say this. I feel like British people might be good at Southern accents or easier. Um, other Americans are not necessarily. Nope. I was watching a movie the other day and the accent was like, I love you. <laughs> Like, y'all, y'all, oh, yeah. go over here. It was ridiculous. No, that's the thing. Like, the more proper British accents, they're the ones that have such a fucking problem with, like, sounding like they're from the South. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Well, and if you're American, it's like, but not from the South, it's like, oof. It is a big oof. I mean, we've talked about this before. The only true southern accent is the one you adopt when you're talking to a nice old woman at a meet and three. So, that's true. She's offering you biscuits or cornbread, and you just like, hi, in the past life, I was a southern belle. (laughs) The only true answer to biscuits or cornbread is mix, please, ma'am. Yeah. And some more sweet tea when you get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring me a basket of both and leave me alone. <laughs> and apple butter, apparently. And well, I love me some apple butter, not on cornbread though. That's too sweet. Oh yeah, no, of course not. I was talking about for your biscuit. That's true. I mean, biscuits are biscuits with apple butter is a rare treat, a rare, mm. rare treat that I have all the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the fact that. The thing that lets Sam, Dean, and Bobby... So, I think Jensen Ackles did... Sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit some more before I talk about this. I think Jensen Ackles does a really excellent job this episode um, with, uh, like, wanting to trust Cass. That's, like, Dean's struggle, is he wants to trust Cass. He doesn't want to believe that Cass would betray them. And yet, when the evidence is just mounting against them, then that's where it is. Um... I like the thing. I like that the thing that betrays Cass to Dean is uh, the Superman reference. Yeah, because Bobby says like, "This is Superman gone dark, and we need to stockpile on Kryptonite." 
And then later, Cass is like, yeah, I guess you thought I had gone dark Superman, but you don't need that kryptonite. And Dean's like, what? Like Dean, Dean's smart enough to understand his own references. Yeah. Yeah. But he knows, but you know, Cass, or uh, Sam, Bobby, and, and Dean know that Cass doesn't get references. He doesn't understand that stuff. So he had to yeah. have been listening in on their conversations. Um, mm-hmm. And then, instead of just being like, what the hell, Cass, how did you know that? They waited and trapped him in a circle of holy fire, which, excellent planning on their part, boys. Good job. Yep. Mm. Once again, they got that one brain cell back from Cass that they had loaned him out a couple weeks ago, and they used it to good effect. Um, they used it to... And then Cass was like, God, when I'm not borrowing that one brain cell that they all share. <laughs> Except for Bobby. He's legitimately great. Um, yeah. I, I really liked him. One of the... So, one of the issues I actually had with the episode was... Um, uh, I feel like they were fighting against the wrong thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and Supernatural does this sometimes. I feel like the conflict is Cass lied to Sam and Dean about why he wanted purgatory, why Balthazar brought back the Titanic, that he was working with Crowley in the first place. But Dean, Sam, mm-hmm. and Bobby seem to have a bigger issue with the fact that Cass is working with Crowley. My issue with that is that Cass has already worked with Crowley. In fact, they've all worked yeah. with Crowley. Yeah. Last season. To do the same thing that Cass is trying to stop now. Stop the fucking apocalypse. I don't understand why it's such an issue now when it wasn't in season five. Hmm. Like I think it's... I feel like it's the show trying to... It, it's that it, it's the show doing that thing where it's like you can't trust a demon because all demons lie when in reality of the show every demon has been of extremely vital use and only tells the truth when it comes to the plot yeah so it's like there is a there's like a dissonance there I because it's it's the characters wanting to believe that all demons lie and demons are no good, even though the show has shown us that the demons angels like, lie more than demons. Angels lie more than demons, and that they guess I guess they keep forgetting that they've worked with demons multiple times at this point. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Ruby betrayed them, and that was an example of like, oh, this demon might be good, but just kidding, it turns out she was bad all along. And and right. Crowley has definitely God, I would I would say that if I were a character in the supernatural universe and Crowley and I had worked together, I would still only trust Crowley about as far as I could throw him. Um mm-hmm. because but Crowley to me is sort of like trustworthy in his untrustworthiness. God, there's a joke yeah. from a from a TV show and I can't remember which one it is. But it's like you can always trust me to lie to you, you know. Yeah. You can uh-huh. you can trust me to betray you. You can trust me to do things that you're not going to want me to do. But at the end of the day, as long as our goals align, I'll stay on your side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my that that's pretty much what Crowley's all about. Yeah. And 
my issue with the whole cast, why are you working with a demon that's so fucked up? Why are you working with Crowley, even though we did that last season? Is it feels like, oh, well, it's all right for, it's all right to work with Crowley when Sam and Dean want to work with Crowley. Mm -hmm. But when Cass is trying to prevent the apocalypse 2.0 from happening, suddenly it's a huge deal. And no, this can't happen. And, and all that stuff. And I just don't think that's, fair yeah yeah and it just seems kind of hypocritical a little bit and i don't like that um and does this tie into because i don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that this is not going to turn out well (laughs) (laughs) this this isn't gonna work out for any of the characters involved um but I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is this an instance where the foregone conclusion is that Dean and Sam are right because the writers know that they're right? Or does it feel like Hmm. organic storytelling, I guess? I don't know. I can't really say um, I'm kind of with you on that first one. Yeah. Like, it's, they're right because the writers say that they're right. Yeah. I mean, they're going to end up to be right, but is this an example of, like, well, Sam and Dean are always right, and if you just listened to them to begin with, it would have been fine. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I liked the fact that Dean was like, Cast, you could have come to me. We would have figured it out. I would have helped. You didn't have to go to Crowley and, you know, try to find Purgatory, which could let loose all sorts of terrible shit. Eve just being one example. Yeah. And Cass is like, no, it's too late. And Dean's like, it's not too late. Stop now. And we will figure this shit out together. Hell yeah. I, I really liked that. Yeah. Because it was like Dean really trying to be a brother to Cass. Yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. Um, I like that Cass gets a taste of free will and the first thing he does with it is try to spread that message to the other angels. Yeah. Just to share it with others. Yeah. yeah. And I like the fact that the reason why Cast fails is simultaneously his own weakness and his hubris, but also mm-hmm. the system that's been that he's lived in. It's yeah. it's hard to break out of the belief systems that you grew up with. It's hard for humans to do that. So it's got to be damn near impossible for a creature that's been alive since the beginning of the universe. Hell yeah. You know, for all of human history, starting with the first fish that crawled on the <laughs> land. Also, Supernatural says evolution is real. Um, yeah. yeah. It does. Fuck natural selection. Um... But I just, I, 
Yeah, I like, I like, like we talked about in the beginning, um, when we first started talking about this episode, if this, if this episode, the man who would be king, had been stretched out and just peppered in the season. Oh, yeah. Ugh. This whole conversation would have gone differently. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing I didn't like, we found, we find out that... Cass brought Sam back from hell. Yeah. Sans soul. Mm-hmm. But he did it on accident, right? Yeah, it was an accident. Sam at one point is like, did you do that on purpose? And Cass is like, no, come on. Seriously. you Come on, man. Like, nah, bro. He just, um, the explanation is he like felt so empowered by the recent resurrection from God that he believed he could, but he wasn't able right. to bring all of him back. And mm-hmm. instead of, like, addressing this with anyone or telling Dean or, you know, telling Sam, hey, you don't have a soul, just kind of, like, avoided his mis- his mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. I was going to say that's very, like, human of Cass. Yes. To yeah. do something like that. Yeah. Uh, don't we all bring something into this world that we regret and then instead of dealing with it, just abandon it? Yeah. This is why I have to keep moving so my children don't find me. (laughs) We haven't abandoned this show yet, so... Any any day now. (laughs) No, we're gonna keep doing it. (laughs) Until one of us dies or the show does. Um, But, uh... I get the feeling that that was supposed to be, like, a reveal. Like, a twist! Crowley said that he had brought Sam back, but it turns out it was it was Cass, and right. I don't think that was very effective. <laughs> it was not because first, it, it that reveal happened, and for a second I was like, "Oh, Cass did it with the help of Crowley," and then I like lingered on it for a second more, and I was like, "Oh no, it was just Cass." Yeah, that's why he fucked it up. I was like, "Uh, yeah, it was. It was like, it's like it took a minute for it to sink in." Yeah. And then Crowley brought Gramples back. And um, just because he needed a hunter to get alphas for the location of Purgatory. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. Bad reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, bad reason, writers. Well, yeah. Yeah, bad bad reason. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. It turns out the entire mystery with Gramples. Has been completely worthless. Completely worthless. Hey, you know the entire first half of the season? Like, well. I try to forget it. This is it. This is the answer. Wasn't that great? Oh, God. Never a more worthless character than Samuel Campbell. Yeah. I can't... Okay. Okay. Fucking grambles. We are focusing on the positives. It's it's okay. (laughs) Grambles isn't here anymore. He can't hurt you. He's been dead for a while. He's he's been dead for several episodes at this point. And was his death one of the most insulting things you've ever seen on this show? Yes, it was. Um... (laughs) Yes, it was, in fact, awful. But it's okay. 
because you're going to go on to bigger and better things and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's fine, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, Grambles is going to go back to the X-Files. Yeah, where he belongs. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, anyways. So, yeah. Um, Crowley brought Grandpa Campbell back. And now that we've seen the Demon Hunters... So Crowley has been just using demons to hunt monsters, and apparently it's been incredibly effective, um, complete yeah. with the demon version of Bobby Singer. God, I would have much rather seen more of that this season. Yeah, 100%. Like, There's a lot in this episode I would have preferred to have seen more of. Just imagine for, with me real quick, an episode that involves Sam and Dean hunting a monster, and demons have gotten there first. Oh, man. And then we get to see how demons would hunt monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that would be cool as fuck, right? That would be cool. And then that's how, and instead of this whole, again, Grample bullshit, which is worthless, maybe that's how we get introduced to Crowley is hunting down monsters to find the location of Purgatory. Yeah. Like that's episode I mean, that, like three or four. That's maybe? already way better. Yeah. Also in my fantasy version of the season, uh Sam's not back yet. I'm sure that there was some okay, so have we talked about this before? How I don't really like the Solus Sam thing? I think so. Okay. Quick quick refresher. Um I like Solus Sam as a character. I think it's a cool concept. I think it's kind of I don't think it was the best decision to have Sam come back immediately and be Sola Sam um, yeah. in this way. Like, I would much rather see Sola Sam in a different plot where he, maybe he loses his soul for a little while due to XYZ reasons and they have to get it back um, or whatever. I don't really care. In my version of season six, Sam is still in hell completely. And in my version of season six, he gets out of hell at the same time he does in this season six, except completely gets out of hell. Um, and instead uh, okay. Dean goes back into hunting because he just can't leave it alone. He's so entrenched in this life and so damaged that he can't live a normal life with Lisa and Ben, no matter how hard he tries. Um, I don't, I'm sure the reason to bring Sam back was due to, like, contract things with Jared Padalecki, studio demands, and fan demands. I'm pretty sure if Sam had not, like, some version of Sam had not shown up in the first couple episodes of season six, fans would have rioted. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. But in my version of season six, Sam doesn't show up at all in my fantasy version. And... um Grampus is also not a character because he's worthless. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that is like if I if I rewrote season six, that would be a thing. Um, which again, maybe when we remake the show in ten to fifteen years, who knows? Hmm. Who's who can say? Should we add or take away time because of coronavirus? On our guesstimations for how long it's going to take us to remake this show. Oh, I definitely think we should add time. That's fair. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mostly because the show's been extended. I mean, it was supposed to be done yeah. by now. Mm-hmm. Like, by all rights, mm-hmm. the last episode should have aired in May. Yeah, at the end of May. Oh. And or middle. Yeah. 
also because you know we just waste we're just gonna end up wasting like a year or two years of our lives not doing things except for the show and working and stuff so yeah so there's that um yeah i want to go back a little bit to how crowley totally played cast like a goddamn fiddle yes so um so it turns out the whole civil war idea was crowley's idea Mm-hmm. How do y'all feel about that? I, I'm like, I don't know because I feel like it. It could have been just Cass's idea, just based on the fact that, um, Cass wanted to help give the angels free will, mm-hmm. and obviously Raphael's not about that. Like, I feel like that could have given it enough legs on its own. Yeah, I don't really see why. I don't really see why it needed a little extra push and prod from Crowley. I think it's to illustrate how, like, manipulative Crowley is. Yeah. And kind of imply that he's been, like, pulling the strings all along in some way. Mm. Okay. Um, Crowley offers Cass 50,000 souls to stand up against Raphael. Mm-hmm. Because Raphael has given Cass an ultimatum, either kneel or die. Yeah. Um, and so Cass instead goes back to Kinlay's heaven and (laughs) basically is like, fuck you, we're in civil war now, follow me or don't, um, rips up the rule book. And that's where Crowley and Cass's partnership starts. Right. Um, Sam and Dean could not have given Cass that, (laughs) uh, 50,000. That is true. So... That is absolutely true. It also paints the fact that getting access to purgatory has been the plan since the beginning. Like, there was never a moment in time where Cass was like, we can win this war with the souls we have. Mm. You know, it's always been. True. Just Crowley and Cass's partnership has depended on getting to purgatory and getting more souls and Crowley getting half to boost his power in hell. Which I liked Crowley's moment where he was like, doesn't it benefit you to have the devil you know as the king of hell as opposed to some other Uh, demon? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. I guess, so, really, I think what would have been cool is for this whole season, you know, Cass is up to no good. What's up with that? Mm -hmm. Um, Basically have the A plot be... Cass is up to no good, or, uh, slash there is a war in heaven that Cass is busy with. Yeah. Uh, B-plot of the whole season, the whole finding out that there is purgatory and mother of all. Because I feel like the mother maybe could have had more of a threatening role if she had been a big bad for more than three episodes. God, yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're getting to all the points I have about the mother of Paul. (laughs) Because I think definitely, like, obviously at the point that we are in the show, Sam and Dean have already, like, messed with the best of everything, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they've tackled almost every monster. They've tackled demons. They've taken down angels. And so introducing the mother of all in a B-plot, 
who can create other monsters at will. I think that would have been cool for them for like new freak of the week ideas. Yeah. Uh, or anything like that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, God, this, this episode really made me think about how cool this season could have been. Yeah. This could have, again, I feel like if they had just taken a moment, sat down, gone through a couple of rewrites, truncated stuff, fired the guy they got to play Gary Ambles, or put him in a different role, because he's a great actor, um, Mm -hmm. then they could have really tightened tightened this up. Um, But alas. Hey, question. Do you think that Gramples, because he was in heaven, right? Uh So Cass pulled Sam up, Crowley pulled Gramples down, but then he dies again after working with a demon. So, like, do you think he went to hell again? Do you think he's in hell now? I'd say he's either in hell. I'd say he's either in hell or is somehow in purgatory because he was possessed by a, a monster. Ooh, that's a good yes. No a third option. For realsies, like only monsters go to purgatory, even if you are possessed. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like the monster would go to purgatory and Grambles would either go to heaven or hell. Um that is a very gray area though. Yeah. Of like to discern whether or not he's in heaven or hell. Because uh, there is an argument for both, and they both make sense. Yeah, because I can see him like just going back to heaven because he, in some ways, did no wrong. He was pulled out of heaven against his will, mm-hmm. and then once he dies again, he just goes back to being where he was. Or uh, he is in hell because he was pulled down by a demon and then started working with that demon. Yeah. And therefore is not allowed to be back in heaven. Like, I can see both sides of that coin. Yeah. I get that. But, I I mean, I could also see Cass just, like, shoving Grambles or, like, pulling him away from demons or whatnot. But. Yeah. I mean, he was pulled down and basically given an ultimatum. Work with me and you get your daughter back. Don't, and I'll just put you right back where I got you. Or put him in hell. Yeah, could you... Could you imagine how like how shitty it has to feel to be pulled out of heaven? Mm-hmm. You're just having a good time. I imagine he's listening to like some old like classic like outlaw country. Yeah. <laughs> maybe eating some biscuits and chocolate gravy. I don't know. And then you wake up in a world where your daughter's dead. <laughs> yeah, and then a sh- they shove an old tomato into your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they give you mayonnaise do that this is job not or else. Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> they give you fucking Hellman's because they're demons. Yeah, and then they're like, make a <laughs> tomato sandwich with, with it, no seasoning. They would, all right, yeah, Travis, you're right. They give him miracle, yeah, yeah, miracle, miracle whip. Yeah, miracle whip. Yeah, gross. It's not even mayonnaise. Hell, Hellman's is fine. I just like picking a fight with Evan. Uh, <laughs> Hellman's is absolutely but, the mayonnaise that demons use, however, because it has hell in the title. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. That's where I was going with yeah. it. <laughs> what do you think, Steven? Do you prefer Dukes? Or oh, Hellman? you know what? What? In, uh, in Lucifer's hell, everyone used Hellman's because it had hell in the title. In... Crowley's hell, everyone uses Miracle Whip because that shit's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Make a tomato sandwich with this mealy tomato, this Miracle Whip mayonnaise, no salt and pepper, 
wheat bread. Fuck you. Damn. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> tomato sandwich I can think of. That is an awful sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just remembered we've got a tomato in the fridge, and we got mayonnaise, and we've got bread, and I've got stuff to make pimento cheese. Ooh, a pimento mm. cheese Ooh, tomato shit. sandwich? Ooh, you should grill it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I grilled a pimento cheese sandwich a ways back, and it was fucking tasty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And with tomato added, some, that'd be good. I'm going to make some mm. pimento cheese quesadillas. Ooh, yeah. delicious. Ooh, bitch. Bitch, that sounds like a good sandwich, bitch. Mm-hmm. All right. I said bitch. Is it final thoughts on the episode before we begin the freak of the week? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I've said everything I wanted to say about it. Yeah, if we could sum up, I would just excellent episode. Wish this whole this whole season had been this. Yeah, if this whole season had been this episode, it would have been a hell of a lot better. A hell of a lot better, and it's appropriate <laughs> yeah. that you say hell, Ben, because guess what? This week's freak of the week is about. Is it? Hell? It is. It's hell. It's oh. definitely hell. Okay, so several. Months ago, we got an email from one of our Patreon subscribers, thank you, Stacy Shepard, um, called Just Rebrand Hell. And we talked about hell a little bit in the episode that we talked about this email. Uh, but I felt that we did not do enough of a deep dive into hell. So today, here's a little bit more of a deep dive, pun intended, into hell. Okay, um, that's a fun <laughs> sentence to say. J- just a reminder, here's the message that we got. Mostly because I just want to say nice things about our podcast. Okay. I love the podcast. Your banter helps me make my make my Thursdays at work more enjoyable. Thank you so much, Stacy. I always look forward to it. I have a theological question but I that I wanted to ask for a while, but waited because it was a little spoilery for Travis. I wanted to know what you guys thought about the soul as a source of power for heaven and hell and their rivalry, since you guys seem to know more about Christianity. As someone raised very secularly, I never understood the rivalry between heaven and hell. I mean, why would hell want to punish sinners if it's pro-sin? The punishing of sinners seems to fit nicely into heaven's agenda, so why are they rivals? They seem more like co-workers, just the employees in hell have a shittier department. It feels like if Crowley wants more power in souls, there are simpler ways to get that power. It seems a rebranding of hell would be simpler. Um, Stop the torture and misery. Make it as nice as heaven for the dead, but they don't have to do shit to earn it. Where Were you an asshole in life? Who cares? Sell your soul to hell. The zero consequence is heaven. I feel like heaven would lose power very easily if hell becomes a place that everyone wants to go to and anyone can get in. I'm an atheist and the only Bible I've read was a child's picture book when I was like six. So maybe there's some details I'm missing. Thanks for the hours and hours of entertainment. Can't wait for more. Thank you very much. So... So there's an old uh, street joke that this reminds me mm-hmm. of. So Satan looks around and he realizes just that he's not getting the numbers that he wants. And so he starts act- asking a couple of people, uh, it's like, what should we do? And like, while they're having this conversation, an engineer pops down and like Satan's like, well, we've never had one of you here before. And the engineer's like, well, well, that's awesome. Let me see what I can do for you. And the engineer starts going around fixing everything, just starts making hell as nice as fucking possible. Yeah. Makes it just fucking great. And then God and Satan like bump into each other and start having a conversation. And Satan goes, yeah, uh, I don't know how we got this engineer a ways back, but everything's been awesome Like ever since... Uh, like we've gotten him he's just fixed everything everything's awesome now and god's like an engineer how the fuck did you get one of those like you're not supposed to get those 
uh, I need that guy back. And Satan's like, nah, man, fuck you. I'm keeping it. And God goes, yeah, uh, I'm just going to sue you and get that engineer back. And Satan goes, yeah, with what lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) Classic. That that feels like not only does that feel like a joke that gets told during a church service. That joke feels like a jo- uh, joke that gets told during a church service in every church in Huntsville. Right. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. it's about engineers. Yep. Huntsville's yep. just engineer oh, central. Man. <laughs> All right. So, um, I believe the first time we talked about it, we were like, well, hell's not really a thing in the Hebrew Bible or the, you know, the Torah, Torah or the Kabbalah or anything. Um, yeah. And then we were like, but I think it's a thing in the New Testament, baby. And it turns out it's a lot more complicated than that. So. Oh, yeah. And real quick, I'm not talking about like every hell that exists or potential afterlife for bad people. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just talking about the Judeo-Christian hell and then also um, the Greek Hades, because uh, it relates um, just to sort of get that out of the way, because that's the one that, you know, this is the hell that Supernatural is concerned with. All right. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to talk about purgatory or purg- like a version of purgatory we mentioned, but I'll probably do my own deep dive into purgatory at a later date. So, you know, no oh. heaven either. Just hell. Just hell. All right. So is hell in the Old Testament? Well, kind of. The word that's used tell. in the Hebrew Bible is Sheol, which is translated into three different ways. Hell, grave, or pit. Most of the hmm. time, it's translated into grave or pit. Okay, So early Jews didn't really have a concept of the afterlife. Early Jews didn't believe in the soul as we believe in the soul, right? or as modern day religious people believe in the soul, not necessarily us, but um, right. uh, our, our concept of the soul is very different from early Jewish, an early Jewish person's concept of a soul. So they didn't believe you could exist outside of your body. Um, mm. Nowadays, the soul is like, it's you and it's in your body, but it's also separate from you. It's the man inside the machine. Your body is yeah. a meat suit that's working, and your soul is the thing that like makes it run. But when you die, your soul continues to exist outside of you. You you know you go to an afterlife. Early early Hebrews didn't have that. They believed that the soul was the breath that was breathed into Adam, and your breath can't leave your body. When you die, you just die. Um, this ended up eventually changing and there's a couple different like layers to hell in, in early Hebrew. There's seven, uh, layers of hell in the, in the first that I could find. And if I'm getting anything wrong here and you're Jewish, God, please come correct me. This is what I pulled from (laughs) my favorite podcast, Reasonable Doubts. And then also, which I'll talk about more in a minute. And then also, um, like online Sources like Wikipedia, Time Magazine, that sort of thing. So, um, Bart Ehrman, if you know that name, I pulled a lot of this from him. So, Sheol is not, like, a place, um, although sometimes it is implied to be a different place, like the underworld, but it's also just a place where berries are 
bodied or sorry bodies are berries whoa <laughs> man berries are bodied <laughs> yeah that's what happens who's taking all these berries and turn them into bodies <laughs> yeah that sounds delicious okay <laughs> Woo, Kobler. get it together Kobler. all right um man i could go for a berry cobbler that Damn. sounds delicious okay so it may imply an underworld like shield sometimes applies implies an underworld but it's less lake of torment or lake or fire and more like the greek afterlife right so kind of kind of dreary but not not really a place of punishment just kind of lame okay and it's not your soul that goes there it's just kind of like an imprint of you however the difference between like our modern day concept of hell as a you know from a like a christian or from the show Supernatural, and this version of Hell, is it's not eternal. There's no punishment. And it's just kind of like, meh. And everyone goes there. It doesn't matter how you were in life. Everyone goes there. Um, The reason why that's similar to Hades is Hades also has different levels. um, And we'll talk about one of them, another one in a minute. But um, in Hades unless you were particularly good or particularly bad you go to the same place as everyone else um and it's not a paradise and it's not shitty it's just it's just meh um so we talked about how judaism doesn't have like a specific doctrine about the afterlife but in orthodox uh, traditions there is a place called um oh gosh can i read my own handwriting Geneham? which is much like Sheol simultaneously a real place and also sort of a metaphysical concept. So the real place that actually exists is a valley. Um, so uh, Ginnahem translates to Valley of Himmon. And um, this is a real valley outside of Jerusalem where it is rumored, or according to the Torah, the kings of, Judy, of Ju- uh, Jerusalem would sacrifice their children out there oh. um, to El. So, not necessarily, like, a cool place, and it's rumored to be cursed. Um, And then, according to the scholars at Reasonable Doubts, it also was just a place where, um, like, bodies were left and cremated. Um. Which again, that comes from reasonable doubts, and I, I don't necessarily know how true that is. But in the the metaphors, the middle the the metaphysical version of uh, Geneham is it is a version of purgatory, which again everybody goes, and you become aware of your deeds in life, um, whether you feel great shame or you feel a source of like elation because you were a good person. Everybody goes there, and it's sort of, it's described in the Kabbalah as a waiting room. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Most rabbis believe you don't spend more than 12 months there, and then you just kind of get to move on and and go someplace else. Um, So that's like the Jewish version of the the Catholic purgatory, Um, but it is by no means permanent. Uh, There's not really... Like and it's not a physical place. It's it's a feeling. It's shame, right? It's shame for your past misdeeds. Um, and I always kind of knew that. Like I knew that there wasn't a literal hell in the Hebrew Bible, but I was raised Christian, and I thought surely, 
Jesus talks about it, right? And they mentioned this in Reasonable Doubts too. They also were like, surely Jesus talks about hell. And it's a thing in the New Testament. Hmm. And it really isn't. <laughs> At least not, not with Jesus. So does Jesus care about hell? Did he believe in hell? Well, according to Bart Ehrman, not really. So, Bart Ehrman is a biblical scholar um, and has done a lot of research into, like, the Hellenistic period and um, the time when Jesus would have been alive. And he actually is one of... So, um, there are atheists, and, and I think Bart Ehrman's agnostic. I don't think he's an atheist. But there are atheists who are like, Jesus existed, he was a man but he just wasn't divine. And then there are right. atheists who were like, actually, Jesus didn't exist at all. And mm -hmm. the evidence for Jesus not existing is there's not a whole lot of like contemporary references to him. Um, there's one, I think, contemporary ref reference that's like viable. Um, but they just, uh, th those, those people don't. But Bart Ehrman does, does believe that Jesus existed and was a real person. He just doesn't necessarily believe that he's divine. And what Bart Ehrman believes is that Jesus was an apocalyptic preacher. Um, yeah, I've I've heard this before. Yeah. So did Jesus think that when we died, we went to hell? Well, not really. He just kind of thought that, like, the world was going to end pretty soon mm -hmm. after, you know, he was there. And everybody who was good and followed... Um, so you, you're probably familiar with uh, Jesus said, like, yes, these other commandments that are in the Torah and in Exodus are important. But what's more important is believing in God wholeheartedly and trying to improve the welfare of your fellow man. Yeah. These two commandments are above all else. And um, that's where, like, a lot of people get the idea of, like, cool hippie Jesus. Um, so he he believed, like or probably believed, if he existed, that what was more important than, like, following these, the rules in the Torah and, um, you know, other Hebrew texts, what was more important was uh, believing in this one God with all your heart and then also doing what you could to make things better for your fellow man. And um, I don't necessarily think that he necessarily saw hell the way modern Christians or a lot of modern Christians do not all modern Christians, right. of course, um, because hell is a hard thing to, to wrap around. Um, if you're a Christian, it's, it's, there is a logical leap you have to do. If you truly believe that God is all loving, but also that he will cast you down into a fiery pit to be tortured forever Man, okay, sorry, hold on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so when I was a child, little anecdote about young Ari, when I was a child, I remember being in Sunday school and hearing about hell, and I grew up in a faith that was like, the only people who don't, uh, basically we were talking about the virtuous non-believers, as Dante would have called mm -hmm. them, right? Where do the virtuous non-believers go? They can't make it to heaven because Jesus is the only way you get into heaven. But <laughs> does that mean that they all go to be tortured in hell? That doesn't make any sense. And Dante says, of course, that they're in like, uh, you know, like limbo or like the first layer of hell, which is like limbo purgatory. Um, right. But... Uh, 
I remember being in Sunday school and being told this, and I just read the diary of Anne Frank, and I was oh, like, no. Does, did Anne Frank go to hell? God, that's it feels so awful to even question it. But like, when I was a child, <laughs> I was just legitimately like, did she suffer and die at the hands of the Nazis in an ethnic culling, and then God sent her to hell? And Yeesh. as a child... That was something that I could not wrap my head around as much as I, like, truly believed in a Christian God, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I am happy to say that with this research, no, Anne Frank did not go to hell because hell doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> um, so hell in the New Testament or Sheol in the New Testament, um, they don't really use the word Sheol. They use the word Hades. Which is, or ah. it, I should say, in the Greek translation of the New Testament, right? Um, right. In the Greek translation uh -huh. of the New Testament, which is super, is super important in translation, um, and and usually thought to be like the first written uh, Bible um, or New mm -hmm. Testament, they don't use Sheol. They use Hades, Tartarus, and then the um, he, and then uh, Geneham, uh the Hebrew word, or Gehenna, sorry, Gehenna, the Hebrew word, which is the what we talked about earlier with the purgatory jewish purgatory where right. you just hang out for 12 months feel shame and separation from god and then you know you move on um they used hades but they meant sheol right that hmm. pit that you go to where the bodies are laying but not necessarily like a metaphysical place right um Hades, of course, is the Greek name for the god of death, but also the place where souls went. And a subset of Hades is Tartarus. Now, Tartarus was also used as a translation for Sheol or Hell. Um, Tartarus is a little different than what we've been talking about before, because Tartarus is like a, a sub-level of Hades. It's, it's the basement of Hades, where... People are given ironic punishments, and also monsters exist. Yeah, I was gonna say I know just from like life, I guess the Tartarus is generally where like the monsters were kept in Hades, right? Um, that, and that's what, and it's guarded by Cerberus, right? Uh, or is that uh, just Hades in general? I think it's just Hades in general, but it it might be. I honestly don't remember. Um, but Tartarus, if you're familiar with like the myth of Sisyphus or tantalus right so tantalus is this guy mm -hmm. he's in a pool and a brand of like a vine of grapes is hanging overhead um and his punishment is that he is surrounded by these things that could quench his thirst or his hunger but he can never reach them they're always just out of reach he tries oh. to drink from the pool of water it moves away from his mouth he tries to eat the grapes they move away from his head um he can't reach them so that's where the word tantalizing comes from Mm -hmm. right this temptation and sisyphus is the boulder going uphill yeah right? he's the guy who has to push yeah. up the boulder um because he sacrificed his son in place of like livestock and tried to feed it to the right. gods and they were like what the fuck is this <laughs> um i don't remember what tantalus did but uh yeah so that's where they are and you can kind of see through these different words being translations translated how hell becomes not just like a grave or a place where everybody goes but a specific right. place where bad people go mm -hmm. um oh 
I should note that, much like Lucifer, Tartarus is only used once in the Bible. In reference nice. to a place where not humans go, but fallen angels go. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, I have here in my notes that um, when Augustine was emperor of Rome, that's when, like, people started being like, hey, maybe uh, there's something to this whole hell thing. Nowadays, Christians usually come in three flavors of believing in hell. Um, it's either a sort of like, not straight up torture, but like a separation from God, which is torture in that of itself. But it's not like we're going to put hot pokers up your ass torture. Um, <laughs> there are people who are like, yeah, it's 100%. You get thrown into a lake of fire where you are tortured forever by demons, a la Dante's burn book. Um and then the third flavor of Christian typically comes in like a sort of liberal God is love. Therefore, he could never torture people like that or throw them into a pit. So as long as you're a good person, you get into heaven. And if you're a bad person, you just kind of go away. Um, <laughs> no, no Hitler's in this heaven. No Kinley's. Uh, so, yeah, nope. that's what I got on hell. Well, that is all very intriguing to learn about. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it intriguing to learn about? Um, I want to take a minute and talk about, and this might be a podcast that interests you if you are a fan of anti-apologetic podcasts. Uh, Reasonable Doubts is where I got most of this information from. It is my favorite podcast of all time. They stopped making episodes in 2015, so it's hella dated because they used to do like a politics section. But the anti-apologetic work um, or the counter-apologetic work is really, really interesting. Good. They sort of turned me from like somebody who was like, I'm vaguely spiritual. I believe in vague things to just full on atheist. So um, they're excellent. I would highly recommend checking out their older episodes. Um, Clever Hermeneutics is one of the best ones, and warning, it will make you cry. Um, so yeah, but they stopped in 2015 making new episodes, and I was like, no, we need you. I need you. <laughs> Reasonable doubts, I need you. Um, but yeah, it's really, really great. And actually, um, their podcast was the inspiration for the Freak of the Week section at all, because yeah. there is a um, section that one of the hosts does called Polyatheism, um, where he will go through it's dave is the host um on the show and just in case you'll see it he will go through like so the so the joke is like there are tons of gods and i'm not just an atheist for one god i'm an atheist for all these other gods so here's the mythological story about them and here's just another god not worth believing in and i definitely poached that to do freak of the week so nice but they have music cues, nice. right? <laughs> well, uh, that's what I got. And so let's wrap this bitch up. Travis. Yeah. Uh-huh. The next episode is called Let It Bleed. Let It Let Bleed. Let It Bleed. Let It Bleed. Yeah, I was going to try to get a, like, try to get together the lyrics of Let It Be and try to turn it into, like, a Let It Bleed parody. But that was too much work so <laughs> all i'm gonna yeah. say is sam and dean find out that they're hemophiliacs hell yeah what wait what? <laughs> what's that what wait what it's it's a it's like a disorder where you don't have you, your platelet 
your body doesn't make as many platelets as it should. So, oh. when you so you just get keep cut, bleeding. Yeah, you just keep bleeding. I thought it was somebody who was attracted to a little bit of blood bleeding. coming out of the corner of men's mouth. So that it's unrelated. Okay. Um. No, that's projection. <laughs> but you. you know, Rob Zombie actually has a song called "Let It All Bleed Out." Oh. So oh. nice. Yeah. Cool. That'd have been easier. All right. Well, Travis, I don't know if that's gonna happen, but if it does, we'll talk about it next week on Hey Aspen. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much for listening. If you like us and want to see more, check out our social media at Habcast on Twitter and Instagram, and then Hey Asput, a supernatural podcast on Facebook. We also have a website where you can send us emails. The email from Stacy Shepard came through our website. Um. So please go check that out. We would love it if you did. Uh, and we also have links to all of our social media there and our Patreon, where for three dollars a month you can get access to another show we do called Let's Shag Ass, where we watch things that supernatural actors have been in that are not supernatural. We just recorded the episode for May, which was another Cinderella story. It's truly awful, but a fun episode, so check that out. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys so much for supporting the show, and uh, we hope that until next time, have fun. And don't die. Bye. up with my amp. I'm not going to yep. forget who Buddy Holly is. He looks like the guy from Weezer. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>